Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So glad you could join me. Again, I'm Mark. I'm your host uh, for this podcast. Thank you for listening. Always happy to have you. Again, what we discuss is mostly that behavioral part. We look at what's happening in the news with everything related to EHS, the environmental health and safety world. Try to understand it. Try to look at the psychology behind it. How do we become better leaders? How do we help other people learn about safety and appreciate the hazards, appreciate the risk? And how do we do that as a community? How do we do that as a group? And that's really the goal of my podcast. I love doing it. Happy you've joined me for it. So let's just jump right in. Um, this was a topic that had been very, very regular on the podcast, and uh, now it's uh, back again. Uh, no surprise. I knew we weren't completely out of the woods with it and uh, that we would be back to this. And it was just a matter of time and the, the things are changing again. So we're going to talk about it, and that's COVID. I know that is probably the top list of a lot of items that wa- are being discussed in the workplace right now as it is evolving once again. Schools are going back in session. We're seeing the Delta variant, which is seems to be a little bit more contagious than uh, previously thought about and it's spreading and mostly among adolescents so as kids go back to school there's a lot of do we mask do we don't mask is it virtual is it not virtual and i've been watching especially in my area around kentucky watching some of the governors talk about how are we going to protect our teams how are we going to protect our students how are you going to protect our teachers As we return to the classroom, if we return to the classroom, and it seems masking is becoming that policy. Now, anytime that starts to happen with the public entities like school systems, we in the industry, the business and private side, have to start thinking about what's next for us. Because it's only a matter of time before it really affects us. And so we've been hearing a lot about the Delta variant. On top of that, they're talking about a new one called the Lambda variant that uh, could potentially be on the rise. Not as much data on it yet. Um, Still data coming um, about the variant that's out there now, the Delta variant. And did the vaccination, how effective is it from keeping the infection from spreading? So that's a a whole nother part of it. And one thing I can definitely say was that as a safety professional and as a safety professional that's in charge of a workforce that is spread around the country, you got to keep your eyes open. 
Um, so I really encourage all safety professionals. If you're in charge of some of your workplace health uh, processes, uh, keep following those web pages. Keep going to the OSHA page, refreshing it, the CDC page, refreshing it, um, and any other local entities or health departments. Hopefully, hopefully you're following them. Um, keeping an eye on what's changing because it is changing rapidly. Every time there's a new press conference, it seems like we're talking about it, as we should be. We should be ahead of it. And I think that was a lot of the complaint early on is how ahead of it were we and were we able to get to it. And so as we talked about in some of the earlier episodes uh, that we talked about COVID, that the fallout would continue, that OSHA's always, we see that step behind that we see the we see the issues, we then see the fines, we then see the aftermath of it. And so we're starting to see that. So one of the articles that came out was about New Jersey. Their employers are we're starting to see the fines come out of New Jersey for COVID safety lapses and potential workplace deaths and workplace injuries. And they talk about, okay, these inspections that OSHA is finally publishing their inspections. They're finally getting to the work sites. They're finally starting to work through some of the backlog. And we knew there was going to be a backlog because they were having trouble uh, keeping up with normal safety items. And you have this huge influx. And here we are. We're now talking about it. So there's places that are basic pharmaceutical companies, $13,000 fine for not making sure people were protected the right way. We also, OSHA is putting out their infectious disease and other rule proposals, but mainly the one that I'm watching at the moment is the infectious disease one, because that's going to be the one that's going to affect how we go forward with any type of disease that could come into the workplace. That could be anything from what they're talking about is like MRSA or chickenpox even or shingles or TB. Now, a lot of that is, of course, hospital related, protecting our first responders, those nurses, those doctors, those EMTs right on the first line of when we have these types of issues. They're the ones that that need that protection first and foremost. So really that's gonna focus a lot on them and how hospitals should be prepared. These healthcare providers should be prepared to protect their team. And that's important that we protect those. See, we need them as the public. We need to be able to go there and have that kind of that they're protected so that they can help us when we have these issues happen. And that's super, super important. But then it's also going to apply to our businesses. A lot of companies now have removed the masking requirement. And now there's a recommendation that even if you are vaccinated, that if you're going to be in a densely populated area to go ahead and mask back up again. And so now we have to think about from the workplace standpoint, how do we do it? Now, there's some really interesting statistics about people who want to remain like 50-50 working home and work. And maybe that 50% keeps the mix at the office level at a reasonable rate. So I was part of a, a webinar talking and part of what they talked about was the new dynamic of the workplace. And when they were polling people about how did you feel about being away or working remotely, What came of it was that a lot of people were really interested in having flexibility, that I would like to be able to work from home when I need to, but also have the office to where I can collaborate. I like that mix of both face-to-face and remote when needed. That's understandable. And the mix was like 50-50, like three days, two days off and on. 
So maybe by alternating, we remove some of the density of the workplace. And that's one of those countermeasures you could potentially have. But we are following it. I'm looking at that because I'm thinking about it from a stateside standpoint. How are we protecting our team when we send them out? What states are they in? How densely populated is the area they're going into? Are they a solo worker that's kind of on their own doing maintenance? Are they a salesperson that's in the mix of everything? It's going to be interesting to see how OSHA handles it. It's going to be interesting to see the evolution of the CDC guidance on whether or not we're going to be back in masks, whether or not we're going to have closures, whether or not we're going to have restrictions. Um, The rates are climbing. Uh, Every piece of data seems to indicate that. And it's something we, as the safety community, are going to be responsible for ultimately because OSHA looks like they're going to be enforcing it. So we're going to be involved and we have to be prepared and we have to be educated and we have to be advocates for our business and the safety of our team members. And that sometimes is an interesting mix. So anyway, that's the update on COVID that we're seeing. So we will have more podcasts and we're going to switch directions a little bit on the second half of the podcast, but we'll be back. Just a moment. You've got a friend in the safety business who wants to help your team work safer. The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So again, happy you've joined me. Glad you're part of it. So the next item that I came across that really grabbed my attention, and of course, fatalities make the news. And so I see a lot of that when I'm doing searches or I have my items that are going out there and gathering news for me. This one is out of Ohio. This was a 51-year-old forklift repair person. Unfortunately, a fatal injury where they were under the forklift for some reason it fell the jack failed um not proper blocking underneath it uh, unfortunately that is uh common i've seen that there's been organizations that have had that happen where it wasn't blocked and when released it fell jack uh that failed and and fall on someone crushing them it's um it's a devastating injury for all those involved, those who have to respond to it, the family members, the organization, and it's preventable. I remember one of the biggest arguments I had early on, we were starting up a company and we were bringing in our forklifts uh, for the first time and they were getting up underneath them and doing some work and setting them up and they didn't have any blocks under them. Like they were up under the forks of these forklifts or under the the parts of the cherry pickers and they didn't weren't blocking them. And I was like, no, you're done. We're stopping. And they're like, well, these are brand new. There's no way they're going to fail. doesn't matter to me at that point. They're not blocked and made them purchase the right equipment to block it up 
to do it and to fix it. And it was, it was a pretty heated argument by the startup team that was outside entity that were arguing with me about this. They never done it before, never had to do it. I was being unreasonable and I wouldn't back down. And I was pretty young in my career. And at that time, I guess good and bad at the same time, I was pretty, pretty fired up. <laughs> so I would, I didn't really look at convincing anyone of like my, like understanding. It was more like I'm on fire and we're going to, I'm just going to blaze at you. And, uh, I lit it up. <laughs> and ultimately I think I got the ultimate goal was done. We protected our team, but I think there was other ways I could have educated and handled it. And later on in life, I learned those styles of helping influence and lead and educate before I get fired up and go crazy, but a whole different story there. So what's interesting is they're not sure how long the person was there. So other people, other workers would come in, and this is from the news, this is from the actual newspaper, the Times Reporter, that they were interviewing others, the newspaper, the online newspaper, had been talking to people, and that they had seen them, they'd come in, they weren't sure if anything was wrong, they were still there a couple hours later underneath it, and the person saw this, but didn't want to go over and say anything or check on them, because the service guys usually growled at anyone. If anyone came over and asked if they were okay or needed anything, I've been there. Um, I was doing a tour of a site and I was walking around. I saw the forklift repair people. They were in normal clothes. I couldn't tell if they were our team members doing some sort of repair on it or if they're an outside team doing repair. They didn't have any, anything that would indicate that they were, who they were, what they were doing. And so I just walked over and said, Hey, I'm Mark. I'm the safety guy doing a walkthrough, just checking on you. How you doing? And the response I got was, what does it effing mean to you what I'm doing? <laughs> and about five, I, uh, it was, that was interesting. Uh, and this was me later in life as I chilled out a little bit. I didn't blow up, took a breath and said, you know, I'm the safety person. I'm not here to get you in any trouble. I don't want any trouble. I just want to make sure you're okay and don't need anything. And if you need something, let me go get it for you. And they finally said they were there doing maintenance. They were outside firm, but it really stuck with me. And I read this and I think, wow. And I knew the culture of that site when I went into it. I knew that it was going to be difficult. I knew it was well known to have significant cultural issues, um, even from the internal team to the external team, it was just a difficult area and I knew it. So when it happened, I was somewhat prepared, not exactly to that extent of the, the whole in your face, what does it matter to you? But interestingly enough, this happens. And so they had created a culture customed to not check on each other. There was no empathy there. They had created a culture of apathy and that's difficult. The hardest thing I've ever had to overcome in my safety career as a manager was an apathy. That if you come into a culture and they're just dead-eyed, they're not mad at you, they're not excited about it, they just don't care anymore, that's tough. You can take passion. You can take people who are angry about safety, I feel unsafe, I feel angry because there's things going on. You can take that and you can do something with it. You can direct it. You can get it moving. And it's that idea that you've at least got some energy and you can take that energy and send it somewhere. 
But when you see apathy, that's tough because you have to not only energize it, then you have to get it moving in the right direction. And that that is one of the toughest things to encounter in a safety environment, in a safety culture, is overcoming that apathy. And how do you do it? It takes a lot of momentum. And it's not just a safety person's momentum. It's a leadership momentum. It's every single leader driving it. I mean, talking about safety every chance they get, engaging in questions. I remember putting up a a safety sheet for a sign-up free safety committee. No one cared. It was overtime, extra paid overtime. Nobody cared. Free donuts. Nobody cared. Free coffee. Nobody cared. It took us going out there and handpicking people, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, look, I promise you it's going to be different. I promise you we're going to make a change. Please just come to one meeting, just one meeting, and let's talk. And let me try to work on something to try to get some momentum going. Anything. It's like having that huge stone that's come to a stop. If the stone's rolling, you can change the direction of that huge stone. If that stone has been sitting there and moss growing on it and some sand has swept underneath it, you've got a hard push ahead of you and you can't do it alone. You got to do it a lot of people. And so it was, it was even the plant manager walking out there and like 10 people on the shoulder go, Hey, why are you not part of my safety committee? I want you as part of my safety committee. Come on, join me. Why don't you come with me right now? And let's talk about safety. It took a lot of effort. And so I see this and it makes me sad because here's a culture that's become, someone was concerned that they kept seeing someone potentially under this forklift. And didn't go check on them because they didn't want to be yelled at. They didn't want to be growled at. They didn't want to be shamed for checking on someone. And that was a cultural norm. That became the way they handled it. There's no team there. And if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, if there's no safety, there's no team. you got to feel safe before you want to join in as a team. And that's tough when you have to overcome that. When you have to create that energy, when you have to overcome that apathy. And again, we as safety professionals, we fight that sometimes. And apathy is tough. And if you're not having a whole team effort to overcome it, it makes it difficult. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time that we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.